Why do we have a FaceTime? Nobody's going to be able to see that. But it'll then she'll feel like she's here, and it'll make for more she natural interactions. She but she won't. Here. She won't be here. Right. Kevin's going to work it out. Hey. She's so tiny. This is where the party ends. I can't stand here listening to you and your racist friend. I know politics for you, but I feel like a hypocrite talking to you and your racist friend. So, what are we going to talk about today? Well, and who are we? <laughs> I just walked into this room. <laughs> Tell me where I'm at. <laughs> well, Don, welcome to My Racist Friend, a podcast about the messy parts of relationships that helps us grow together. Oh my God, you know my name. It's Don Griffin. <laughs> and I'm Amy McKeese. And today we're, we're rolling out this new semi-regular feature called Ask LaShawn. laugh. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very serious thing. And LaShawn is not here, by the way. She well, did, she's I on am, the table. I am with you at all times. Uh -huh. I'm with you. Wherever you go, I'm there. Okay. <laughs> she's on our iPhone, so we can see her. It's like we're all sitting at a table together. This is awesome. Yes. It's so yeah. exciting. And we have another special guest. Hi. Hi. My name is Alicia. Hi, LaShawn. Hello, Alicia. <laughs> so, what? you have a question for I mean, I sort of did. I was listening to your last episode, mm -hmm. which I'm apparently I'm a super fan of the podcast. Hurrah! Because I listen to them all. <laughs> um, and after I finished listening to it, I can't honestly tell you which episode it was now because I don't listen to them in order. And I do sometimes listen to them more than once. Um, I know, right? It's a thing. I called Amy because there was an issue that I was like, oh, you all should talk about this on the podcast. And then Amy said, you should ask LaShawn and come in and ask LaShawn. <laughs> so here I am to ask LaShawn this question. Um, but it's, Okay. Okay. I'm trying to remember exactly what the question was. When you called, it was just like a really, it felt like a good thing to chew on. Okay. And something that I remember my response to was to tell you about my relative that I was all excited that I thought was an abolitionist that uh -huh. died in the Civil War, like fighting for that. And it turns out he died during the Revolutionary War, right. attacking Native Americans. Oh, yeah. dear. Oh, we didn't talk about that. Yeah. Well, so, that's, so, that's so a that switch. Was, yeah, that was sort of that's a, switch. a bummer. <laughs> Did you just call it a bummer? That's a bummer. Wow. Bummer, dude. <laughs> so what I was calling about was I just recently learned that the town where I was born and lived in lived in until I was 12 is a sundown town or was are you from Anna Anna Illinois no I'm from a town called Goshen Indiana oh okay right and it was on the books as a sundown town until any any guesses I know uh, the answer so I'm not gonna give it you guessed on uh maybe last year Close. Yeah. Uh, 2015. Yeah. Until 2015. Mm. And the the town did a a thing where they acknowledged it. They didn't apologize, of course, because why would they do that? But uh, they acknowledged it and 
spoke out against it, kind of, I guess, and moved forward. But it was a big schism in the town because the apparently many of the folks who identify as white were like, no, 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 too much. And the people of color were like, no, 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 not enough. They did it anyway. And so they're acknowledged, especially in this one book by a, the historian who wrote... Um, James Lowen. That guy, him. Lies My Teacher Told Me. The one. Yes. Yep. And he has a book on sundown towns, and that town he is does. in there. Yeah. Okay, exactly. <laughs> Excellent. How are you just pulling out books She's like pulling that? Out. That's LaShawn's that's magic. That's LaShawn? Yeah. That's magic. And we got there because, this is how we got there, because there's a town in Goshen, Indiana named Goshen College. There's a lesbian who was an offensive line judge coach in oh, the Super Bowl. that's cool. She's got uh-huh. a signature. I threw out a sports thing. Good for you, me. Good job. Right? She was Balls. an offensive line something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she went to the Goshen College, which is a Mennonite college, and she was... Not kicked out of college, but it was after she graduated, I believe, she wanted to work in sports. And they were like, no, we're not comfortable. You know how it is. No offense. Bye-bye. And they kicked her out. And then she's this out lesbian in the Super Bowl. So we were talking about, I was talking about that with some folks from that area on the socials, as one does. Mm-hmm. And in that, an, another relative of mine popped in and was like, hey, are they still a sundown town? And I was like, what? what? Holy shit. Like, that's, excuse me. That's a, no, you, you... that's a thing. And I didn't. I was very not, I shouldn't say I was surprised that they were a sundown town. Honestly, I, it was more like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only lived there until I was 11. So I wasn't super involved in the politics of the town or maybe it was 12. Right. At that age. Um, but it made a lot of sense. And it was just, I wondered why it was gnawing at me so much. Cause I don't go to Goshen. I don't talk to my relatives there. I'm an out, I'm an out lesbian. My family doesn't, I don't know if they like that. I don't know how they feel about it. They're very um, brethren and Mennonite. They just sort of don't talk about things and they go away. And then I thought, oh my God, I've been shunned for years and didn't know it. <laughs> right. There was that. And I thought, <laughs> but I wanted to talk about sundown towns and like, and also what is that thing? Why does that realization like, yeah, bother me when I don't really ever think about the town ever until suddenly I'm like, oh shit, they're doing the thing. As a, as an African-American? Yeah. It's just part of our existence. I I never understood why we couldn't we 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 never ate inside a restaurant when we were traveling. We would always eat in a car. I don't know if you ever just you had to eat in the car, but you never knew why you were eating in the car. It just was what you did. Did that? You that just ever... packed food. We packed a cooler, yeah. and we knew where we could stop and where we weren't going to stop. Um, especially going back home down in South Carolina small town south carolina but yeah driving i mean we just thought it was economic you know you keep food in the car if you don't have to stop yep i i had no idea yeah getting sick off of bologna uh, sandwich bologna and cheese sandwiches i didn't had no idea why they never told us why you know mm-hmm. but later on we you know as adults we learned that just in indiana just about every single town is a sundown town i mean that you know that you should be out by a certain Time of day. Mm-hmm. Time of day. Um, that so it's not just Goshen. Oh, I know it's, it's not Mooresville. It's Martinsville. It's and it's so funny how they everyone likes to like to focus on one. Like at least we're not them, but we're no, you are them. We are them. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, and I was horrified because I have two children who are brown children, mm-hmm. and I don't go back to Goshen, but I did, and I took them with me at one point, and I've never been super comfortable there my spouse is not comfortable there and we've never gone back right and it was even less comfortable when I had my kids with me and I didn't 
quite understand why. Hmm. It was always a little bit like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And then it started making me think about this whole culture of silence and of not talking about things. Mm-hmm. Right? Which yeah. we just never did in that town. And that I don't know if that's just a Mennonite Midwest kind of way of being, or it's just a huge, massive, like white supremacy kind of thing. We just don't name things for what they are. We just don't name things for what they are. We just say it doesn't exist. Racism doesn't exist anymore, so let's not talk about it. Mm -hmm. Let's not even bring it up anymore. It's techy. (laughs) I don't don't see color. I I think it's worse than tacky. No, I I do too. I'm just saying, like, I think there's this... Growing up, I always thought that, like, mentioning race was rude. I don't know. I like my race. Right, and I'm not saying that's a good way to be. I'm yeah. saying that for me, some of the things that on my journey through trying to figure some stuff out has involved noticing when books don't describe the white person as white, mm-hmm. but they describe all any non-white characters in great detail. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that it's the that white supremacy thrives on this silence and not naming things. You but, did but you we grow were... up in Utah? Did you? Actually... No, I grew up in. I'm an army brat, so we grew up everywhere. Okay. I've just lived in Utah, the longest place in my adult life. Okay. So you didn't grow up there as a, but you you you've been places where you have. Of course, no matter where we go, we're going to experience stuff. So, can you give any other examples of your going through small towns or just growing up? How your parents. How your parents shielded you from? So my parents grew up in small towns in South Carolina, you know, integrated there. My mom integrated her high school. Uh, My stepdad, my dad, they were all, they were in college by that time. So, I mean, they all went to historically black colleges and universities. So growing up in the military, the one experience that I actually do remember where somebody actively targeted us because they didn't like us or what we had done it was on our move from washington state to california and we had packed our van it was me my little brother my little sister and they were tiny and so we were um staying at a hotel in oregon overnight and um my little brother wasn't fully like potty trained we were out playing in the pool and so he went to the bathroom um in the pool you know as like a 18 month old will do like they just they're just going and you're like oh no what do we do you know it's a child so my mom picked him up you know took him and she's like you know the older kids like ew that's gross and she's like he's just a kid he doesn't know any better right and so she picks him up takes him you know away says you know we don't go we don't go to the bathroom in the pool we go to the restroom you know he's just you're, you're a child you don't know any better and when we had gone out to get something and we had come back we had a a volkswagen van and i remember the windows um they were like you would you'd push the button down and then slide the window yeah. to open it and there was like this there was this notch before it closed you could leave it open halfway right and i remember looking at it cuz i had used that notch to stick my fingers in push the thing down and open the window unlock the door and get into the car and i remembered that the window was barely open and when we had driven back and parked into our parking place The kids that saw us at the pool, they were teenagers. They saw us pull into the parking place and they were watching us pull into the parking place. And it just made me very uncomfortable. 
And I looked at the window and I was like, I should close the window because what if they think like me and, you know, they go and like get into our car and I was like, oh, you know, it's, a, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. I was 10. So, you know, we go into our hotel, we get dinner, we go to sleep, we get up the next morning, we go to our car, all the windows are open, doors open, they ransacked the car, went through everything, peed in our food oh and God. left oh it God. in there. And I remember feeling so awful that I didn't close the window. And that was in Oregon. So, like, everyone's like, oh, the South. And, you know, you can't drive in certain places. Like, we can't drive anywhere without people targeting us. Sure. Was it was it inappropriate for my little brother as a two-year-old to pee in the pool? Absolutely. Um, no, it that, isn't. Yeah, but it it's, not even, it's not even pees. inappropriate. Like, everybody just, pees everybody in pees the, the pool. pool. That's totally it. I believe it. I, I did it last it. week. <laughs> We've got our title Wait, for this week, which I think. Pool? Which pool? <laughs> just kidding. Right. I was so, just at the pool. You know, coming back to the, the violation and the vandalism of our car and watching my mom having to clean up um, the mess and just being like, just throw everything away because we don't know what's been tar- tampered with. We don't know what's been peed in. Like, we lost all of our food um, and we had to drive from Oregon. We were making our big drive to California that part of the day, the next day when we got up. So... It was just one of those moments that I've never forgotten because it was a violation and made me it made me vigilant. You know, I made sure every time we got out of the car, now I made sure all the windows were always closed. And I was vigilant about where we were and who was watching us and, you know, taking my little brother to go to the bathroom. Just it makes you hyper vigilant when you have an experience like that. So, you know, Alicia, when you talk about not knowing why it gnaws at you. I couldn't even tell you what part of Oregon we were in. Maybe Portland, maybe not. I don't know. But I know that feeling of something gnawing at you, that you're not sure why. For me, I could tie it into an experience, and I'm, you know, I'm hyper aware when I go public places now with my own kids. But I think oftentimes when we have a gnawing feeling, sometimes it's because we think that we could have or should have done something or should have known something at a point in time when we didn't and where we couldn't. And so it's this this feeling of accountability or responsibility to to safety, to community that I think kind of pulls at us. And and the question that I have been having in my mind as I listened to you talk was if you don't want to go back to Goshen, you don't have to have you had a chance to kind of really talk about what was gnawing and is it connected to your experiences? Is it, do you wonder if you missed something with your kids when they've gone to Goshen? Like, if you could pinpoint maybe a few of the tentacles that are on it, what might come up for you? I mean, I've been thinking about it, you know, since since I, well, Super Bowl was last Sunday, so like a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that I had on a certain level made my peace with the fact that Goshen was never, in my opinion, going to be gay friendly. And I don't know if that was about the town or my family in the town or whatever. But I was appalled that at a certain time in my life, I've pers- I like made a decision to take my kids who are kids of color and who deal with these issues all the time in a way that I don't have to, but I have to protect them from as a parent. Um, and I was like, here we are. Like, I'm going to try to do this thing where I am going to try to connect with family because we're told constantly that you should try to connect with family. And I didn't for a long time and then thought, Oh, I have kids. I should do this. I should do this thing. 
And then I look back on it and think, whoa, that it is also this not safe town for them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's one thing for it to not be safe for me. It's sort of different for it to not be safe for them. And then yeah. I, like, waltzed them in there. And that just, it doesn't feel good to me. And it's, uh, it bugs me. Uh, but it, And I also think about this culture of silence, which was, like, I talk about stuff, right? Like, I talk about the things. Yes. Um and I didn't notice it to talk about it when I was there, which is maybe good. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's like, like a thing that you didn't say, look at right? that thing. I didn't say, look at that thing. Because my own, like, ignorance didn't even know it, right? Because of the, for whatever reason. That makes me yeah. mad because I want to know it. So I, now I know it. Anyway, I, sorry. I, I kind of think that, see, we expose Dexter, our child, to, we expose him to everything. Mm-hmm. Because he has to know. <laughs> And it's good. It's good for him to know while he has our protection, right? You understand no, what I'm saying? That, yeah. Because the 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 world is not isn't safe anywhere. If we go to California, African Americans are getting shot by police. We can go to Philadelphia, which is supposed to be a much more friendly town. Heck, we can't even sit down in a um Starbucks, you, a Starbucks right, mm-hmm. without getting arrested. We we can go anywhere, and it's not really safe. So our kids have to know, especially kids of color. If you have growing up, they have to know that. Not until I went to an African American college did uh, uh, HBCU mm-hmm. did I realize did I realize where I was at when I came back. I, my, that first Christmas, I was like, "Oh my God, I'm being followed!" Like I never. I mean, and I didn't know that. I growing oh. up, I never knew that I had was being followed, or I never knew that I was being frozen out of a restaurant because that's what they do. They'll if mm. you're with too many black people, all of a sudden it gets cold, and they've turned on the air conditioner. <laughs> it's the middle of winter, and you're like, "What the heck is going on?" It's called the freeze out. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Or do you? Now I do, because I'm always cold in restaurants. I'm like, why do they have the air on like this? Yeah, it's because <laughs> it, it. there's too many of us and we're being too loud. And so they know that mm-hmm. they know that we're the first ones that are going to get cold. Look at that. <laughs> but they've got to, our children have got to know that it's, we, we can't. We can't insulate them. Why not? It's not even so much that I was trying I to, to say insulate, that, you know. like trying purposefully to insulate them. It's that I just so walked right into it. Do you know what I mean? Like without even thinking about it Cause, in that town. And I thought about it in different towns, right? Mm-hmm. And there are definitely places that as two lesbian parents, we avoid because we're gay, mm-hmm. right? We don't go there, especially like we made sure for a long time we were never going to drive through Kansas because... I think in Kansas they had a whole, like, if you got a medical problem and you end up in the hospital, they could take your kids from you if they didn't like you being gay. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Right? So we'd be like, oh, no, we have to drive across the country. We have to go around Kansas. Right? Like, that was like a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we know. did that in some ways, but I didn't do that. My headspace wasn't there. I don't. And then I'm, yeah. And my kids are smarter about this than I am. I mean, they, they way are. They teach me tons. So. I wonder if that's part of it, is that, that you went, like, I can imagine that, because I've had that feeling too like oh now i have kids it's my responsibility to connect them with the family 
Right. 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 And then and don't so let like my a good and, parenting thing to do. Don't let my stupid, like, oh, they hate me because I'm gay thing get in the way of that. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. There's that. So, and do that. So go ahead and do that. And right. I'm like, no, let that gay thing get in the way. Don't do that. Don't connect with these people. <laughs> I don't know, but honestly, I, I would love to go to Ghostion with you because I, I want to <laughs> know, I want to know about Mennonites. I want to know. Don's going to touch all I, their I need to know. <laughs> I need to know how they can drive the cars and they can have the, the cell phones. But, there's there's but, Mennonite, there's Reform Mennonite, there's yeah yeah there's all kinds of, and they are all in my family, which is interesting. Okay, ready for this? I was raised in this very conservative Mennonite. My dad's side is Mennonite brethren, okay, and I'm Amish on that side as well. But my mom's an atheist, and my parents divorced when I was one. Oh, your mom is a badass. She's uh, she's something, and she uh, she, is. Well, she I know her. I sold her I house. Know my mom. <laughs> um, she wrote, she, yeah, she's good. Um, but she raised me as an atheist in this town. And so there were all kinds of reasons that I didn't fit in already being gay, being a divorcee, like being the atheist wow. in the conservative yeah. town. Right. So I, I've never really felt comfortable in there. Well, your in mom doesn't feel comfortable. So why would you? No, she got out too. So that's what I'm, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. There's really nothing to go. Then, yeah, yeah, I get it. So, so I don't know a ton about them. Although I, when I was little, we would go to like, my grandma would take my grandma, my dad's side would pick me up and take me to things because she was like, You have to know the family. Yes. Right. Yeah. And we would spend yeah. time like doing buggy rides and at like places that didn't have the things I was used to because I was an English. I was, you're called the English. Like you're that English. Wow. Yeah. Now my cousins and things were also English, but they were more from a more conservative branch of my family. So they were brother and Mennonite, that kind of thing. I think looking at like all those little tendrils is really useful. All of us, as we learn, we're learning more and more things, A, that we were complicit in, like right. in our lives right now, not even like our hometowns or, uh, you know, our parents or grandparents or whatever the revolutionary guy is. But we're, but we're learning about more current things and being able to name it and then explore it and integrate it helps us be better at not repeating it. Does that check out with you, LaShawn? It does. It does. It does. I also think parenting just brings up stuff. There's a should. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I should do this. I should do that. Um, a few of my, me and my friends were talking about just like abuse that's happened in our families and how me growing up and being taken to a family member's home that I would later find out had abused like my aunts or my uncles or my cousins. The question becomes, why did you take me to that person's house? Nothing happened to me. But mm -hmm. the question for why would you take me to that person's house knowing what they did to, you know, your brother, your sister, your cousin, like, but we have these shoulds about maintaining relationships with people that I don't think have they've been they've been healed or addressed, acknowledged, um, forgiven. There's been no accountability. But it's the smoothing over mm -hmm. that I think generations have done. And then we're like, oh, well, I, I should go back to this place that's not safe for me, wasn't safe when I was growing up, but it'll be better for my kids. Based on what? Right. Yeah, no, that's what, I guess that's what, yeah, that's a good point. Sorry. Based, you know, like, based on what would it be, like, safe? If it's not safe for me, it's not going to be safe for them. But if it was safe for them, it's not their responsibility to be a shield so that I can have proximal safety because of them. Like my humanity should be affirmed and valued because it's mine. And I would never want my, 
I wouldn't want my kids to have to gain humanity through me, and I also wouldn't want to gain humanity through my kids. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. 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 it's still a really abusive exchange because it's it's backhanded. And I, I don't I don't know what it's like or what the thought process is of well, sometimes people can grow into it. I can imagine if I had a conversation with this family member, like, why would you take me to this grandparent's house or this uncle's house knowing what they did to this, this, that, or the other person? Nothing happened to me, but if you know that that's what they've done, why put me in that environment? Why risk it? And maybe it's, you know, I dare them to do it again because I would do something now that I didn't do before. I don't know what the what the line of thinking is. Mm-hmm. And going back home to a sundown town, Alicia, could you play outside at night? Like, when did you start recognizing the disconnect for your identity in Goshen? I recognized it pretty young. I mean, I'm identified as white. I'm a white person, so I didn't have that racially. But I identified it as a gay person fairly, like a, the sense of being not of the folks I was with. Mm-hmm. But I could hide it fairly easily. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I'm pretty young. I would say maybe eight or nine. Definitely before we left, before we moved away, I should say. Before you were, okay, by the time you were 11, you were having experiences that said, okay, this is different. Sometimes I feel like guilt can get to us and it's like, oh my gosh, I could have played outside no matter what. You know, I could have maintained these relationships inauthentically, but I could have managed it. And my kids wouldn't even have that chance if the sundown, if it was still a sundown town. When did you take your kids to visit? Before 2015? I did. I think, yeah, because 2015. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's what what I'm saying. I took them before 2015. I think it was 10. It would have been five. But you didn't know that it was, you had no idea that it had a sundown town. I didn't, but I did. I remember I was like, I'm going to take them and do this thing. And we're going to do this trip. We're going to start. We're going to go to Chicago. We're going to do a few things there. We're going to see the lake. We're going to pop by this town. Yeah. where I have this, these family members, and I said, we're going to do this. It's kind of a, don't they have a, a restaurant that people go to? Like, there, there's... There's a huge Amish conglomerate yeah, restaurant yeah, up there yeah, that's yeah. like a... Man, outside of Bloomington, I mean, literally 15 minutes outside, you're surrounded by towns that you're not supposed to be... It's Mississippi, yeah. yeah no, it's the same thing about Pennsylvania. It, yeah, same Outside thing. Outside yeah. of Philly, it's 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 Mississippi. Yep. Don't stop anywhere. Do not Make sure stop. you go to the military base, or we you just you just know. But that's Ohio. Don't, don't let your car run out of gas. That's Ohio too. That's it's God, Illinois. That's, that's it's all of the Midwest. Tennessee, well, damn it, it's you Missouri, know what? It's freaking it's, everywhere. It's everywhere, isn't it? Everywhere. It is everywhere. Yeah. It's all over this country. It has nothing to do with being down south. It has nothing. There's. There's not safety mm-hmm. for marginalized people. No, I think, yeah. and not even in the big places there isn't. You know, this came. This comes to light whenever I would try to take the kids anywhere. People would say, "Oh, you should just go down here and go on vacation," and we don't. Like we don't do that. Mm-hmm. We just don't. It's funny. There's lots of things I would like to see, and I'll do things online to see if it's a gay, like, safe place. Mm-hmm. If there are there places where I can pass, and because I can pass there, mm-hmm. and Stephanie cannot, right? Like she's she's very like I can't pass in those places. Um, and so we don't go to a lot of places, mm-hmm. right? Same things. I remind when you were talking about packing lunches, I was thinking, oh, I, I, that reads true in my experience as an out yeah. lesbian as well, in some ways. I've never It's heard... not the same. It's not the same, but I do recommend, recognize a familiarity with it. No, I, I've never heard someone say, 
that they couldn't pass that I, when it comes to some uh, gay lesbian. I never oh, it's huge. I never that thought was of that. Initial things back in the early 1900s right. when, for lesbian women especially. Um, going out and being able to pass, like if they wore a certain flower in the lapel, like mm -hmm. if one just it was part of being able to pass. It was definitely it was borrowed from people of color communities, but it was about survival because that's what yeah. passing. One hundred percent. Yeah, mm -hmm. I didn't know that I'm it was concerned. okay to pass. Well, there was a long time mm -hmm. before. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm old enough that I remember there was a hidden community of gay people, and you knew how to find who you could date. Yes. And it was an unspoken thing. It had to do with how you looked. It had to do with what side of the road you walked on. It had to do with what you wore. Mm -hmm. It had mm -hmm. to do with the words you used. All of it. It was a mm -hmm. huge thing. And it's interesting because there's folks who are older than me who miss that community. Even though it, there's more equality in some ways, they miss that tightness. Oh, I see. In that community. It was safer. But too, there right? were levels of it. Right. I had a much easier time. I was a cheerleader. I was very femmy. I did all these kinds of things. I've seen your pictures. Right. Okay. <laughs> and it was, it was one of those things where when I came out, I was like, I have to be really butch so I can be in this community. Right. And so then I like tried to do that, but it didn't really work for me. But there are lots of folks who could not pass. And but it's, it's it was a, a lot less safe. But it's okay mm -hmm. to, in your community, it's okay to, like in, a, in the really, African American community, you, it's, look down upon if you can you know what i'm saying right. if you can pass and you do i mean i can't speak for the gay community i can say that you passed because you didn't want to get the shit beat out of you okay right like that was what it came Which down did, to I, survival is is that yeah. so you when you're in a straight community and you're maybe with the person you're dating you don't walk next to each other well, that's... like you and I, and there, so sad. It whole, there, there's tendrils of it now. I mean, like I'll go out with my friends who are heterosexual and with my wife and we've been together 25 years and we will not physically touch like at any point when we go out and we do things. And we, that's a holdover. The, for, when I first started coming out, this is in Bloomington, right? So yeah. I was in college and, and this is this is 80s this, this is, is 1980s 88, 90s 88 so i was here as a freshman well no so this is a bit later so i was a junior so 89 early 90s yeah and i came out and i was dating a young woman sort of because i was sort of dabbling with whether or not i was gay and i i knew i was gay but you dabbled like you were like oh i mean i'm bi ha 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 it was like the whole business mm -hmm. um and she was like, I think you're gay. And I was like, I think it's just you. And she was like, I don't think it's just me. Right. And so we were walking down Kirkwood and a frat car pulled up behind us. We were holding hands and a frat car pulled up behind us with a bunch of guys and they got out and they started throwing bottles at us. And they were God like, they chased it. us into an alley. And it was interesting in hindsight because the, I was like, wow, I'm so not gay. It's only you. And I'm going to go date this guy over here. And I just left that relationship. And she, who was a much had a much harder time passing in that world, did not leave that world. And I'm, she and I are still really good, really close friends. And have you guys was, talked about that? Oh yeah. Years later, years later, we met at a lesbian festival and she was like, now, now you're a lesbian festival. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh my God. right. I wasn't, but yeah, but there are people who had much worse than that happen i mean obviously mm -hmm. but yeah you just learn to you how did i learn passing you just learn you learn that you don't do that you don't talk about that being mm. queer was being repulsive you couldn't be gay that was it was also it was a disorder it was in the dsm well for a yeah long time. DSM yeah. right and you also knew that anybody who was gay was a pedophile and like mm -hmm. sexually sick and so there was all kinds of pieces of that so you didn't want to be that mm -hmm. one so. of my very 
good friends came out. But I wasn't surprised, and I but I it, I, and I felt well, like so loved by her the fact that she came out to me. The, I was yeah, just that she trusted you I with that. Just, that was big. Oh, yeah, I, it, mm. it, it, coming, yeah. It, coming out was that's all part of that, like being able to identify with the queer community. That's mm-hmm. a gay thing, right? And not wanting to be not wanting to pass, I think, is a thing now. Mm-hmm. For sure, and it was a thing. I mean, it was a thing at Stonewall as well. Like people were didn't want to pass anyway. They didn't want to pretend, mm-hmm. right? Um, but sometimes you passed, so you didn't die. Yeah, <laughs> that was like a thing for yeah. sure. And until you were strong enough and comfortable enough to get over your own internalized homophobia to like be who you are, which takes a while. Yeah, and there are certain situations like the farmers market when they had all the. I would have loved to have passed, you know, from being black when they. I'm teasing about that when the three percenters with the guns there. Yeah, no, that would have been awesome. Did, you, we would have uh, fit right in. Yeah, no. Well, the thing is, like, the ways when we talk about passing, Don, if you had showed up with like a three percenter shirt and, a, and a baseball hat, you I would have passed. Oh, but you would have been able to present in a way that looked like I'm one of you. Oh, yeah. Until you said something that gave you away as not a three percenter. Does that make sense? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. I mean, my, my grandmother, my grandmother and my great my great grandmothers, they were part uh, part white um because they were conceived out of rape basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so they're very light, you know, mm-hmm. with very long hair. But my grandmother, they they could easily pass. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So my little sister, my little sisters can pass. You don't know what they are actually. Mm-hmm. But except stupid Oh, no! You didn't! I'm just teasing. I hope they're listening. (laughs) My little sister. It's it's maddening sometimes. Like, I think my daughter passes, my older daughter, and she doesn't like it. It makes her angry, actually, Mm -hmm. because she really wants to identify as Asian, and, like, she has people who fight with her about it. Hmm. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Do you you pass? You can pass, can't you? Uh, The passing that we have now, like, my kids can pass. Uh-huh. I look ethnically ambiguous. That's what I mean. You have yeah. To wonder what I am. But they still yeah. don't like you with this. You know, you can be something. It doesn't matter, and they still won't like you. Right. It, the, it depends on how far away from black they want me to be. Right. Because I have people. When I was in traveling in Costa Rica, they were like, they were asking me, you know, um, where are you from? What are you? And I was like, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm American, is what I would see you know, in Spanish or. They, I would say, yo soy negra, I'm black. And they're like, oh, no, 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 negra. You're not black. Eres morena. Ed, you're mixed. You're brown. You're this. Oh, they wow. do not want me to be black at all. And wow. so having to, like, explain to people that identifying as black is a good thing for me, but, like, I actually don't have the right to go to Costa Rica and demand that they treat me within my identity system. But I don't have to necessarily, I'm like, oh, okay, because I'm light-skinned, they're going to say that I'm um, morena, they're going to say I'm brown, they're going to say I'm anything but black. So it's a navigation. You know, it doesn't challenge my authenticity in any way, but I understand the impacts of colonialization and and imperialism on how they view race and color and colorism um, in the country. And so ethnic ambiguity is what allows people now to kind of figure out where they can be along this continuum. They know the closer I am to whatever this thing is, the worse I'm treated. So how do I feel about that? If I feel if I'm okay with it and I'm going to, I'm going to be okay with the treatment, then I'm not going to pass. 
But if I can pass as ethnically ambiguous, I can speak Spanish, I can do these things to help me survive in a situation, I have the opportunity to do so. But I'm never going to fully pass like as a person from the Latinx community. There are still some things that I don't I don't grasp. I have the language, but I don't have the culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. I know customs and I know food, but I don't know the depths and the nuance of the, the unspoken things that just make you a solidly Latinx person or Afro Latina. But I can hold my own because I speak the language, but I don't have the culture. And so in choosing to pass or in choosing to find safety and proximity to whatever the thing is that makes you safe, that's part of the conversation that I think you're also having is, do I have the opportunity to choose? And when the opportunity presents itself, do I take it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, while you were talking, I was thinking about it in context of wow. being a kid, right? And kids have very little power. And I like when, for me, I passed until I was an adult and could take that. I could take myself to the places I needed to go. Mm -hmm. But as a kid, I was constantly taken into places where I needed to not be gay, right? Because that was the mm -hmm. culture. And I think that's part of what that's bothering me about taking my kids to this sundown town. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, I took them to a place where they are very visibly not mm -hmm. safe. That's right? true. I got you. And that mm -hmm. really bothers me that I, A, was blind enough to not know that that was the, what was going on because I was so involved in my own, like, gay whatever and parenting and all that th stuff but there is like a there is a need to protect them and they don't have that ability until they have a little bit more independence you know that's what was, that was kind of going through my head mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. that makes sense so did you all go out during the evening interestingly enough we did not mm -hmm. no and um we we cut it short and we left really really soon um because none of us were comfortable there so. There's, well, there's so, not a lot to do. I mean, let's just fair, be honest. So, we did cut it short, though. But yeah, but I was I was thinking about it too. When my dad died, I went up for his funeral, and um, my <laughs> wife went with us, and then my daughter. I only had the first one, but her dad, who is Filipino, and his many of his families came up to support us, and the number of people that came to that funeral to kind of look at us was unreal i feel like i was a zoo oh man like it was like look at them they have a kid how and who are those people next to them like, they couldn't deal with it it was bizarre wow yeah mm. it was wacky times i was just thinking about what you were saying about that all my all our cousins are darker complected so when i used to go and visit them you know as a kid they were always introducing me as their white cousin I got so mad I'm fr so from a very early age. I was like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm black. You know, my parents are black. Both are black. It, it became a negative <laughs> thing for me. Like, I tried so hard to be black. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. yep. That once I actually found that I was... Not until I went to Hampton University did I realize the diversity of black people that I didn't... You know, if, if I had the opportunity to pass... I'm so like, no, I'm black, you know, like <laughs> I'd be the first one that they'd string up. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. So anyway. I'll be first. Exactly. Cause I'm super black. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's what I, happens when you try to keep it real, right? You say, that when keeping it real goes, goes off. <laughs> when keeping it real goes <laughs> wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? Dave Chappelle? 
Yes. It was Dave yes, Chappelle. Yes. He had a thing where, yeah, he just, where sometimes you can say what you want to feel, and then it's like, you, the next thing you know, the guy's on the on the curb without no, with no job or... <laughs> It backfires. Yeah, it, it backfires instead so, of survival. I have a friend who is a um, a therapist in New Orleans, and she was telling me about going to a conference about therapy, and that when they were doing their thing, whenever they wanted to talk about like someone who didn't understand therapy or who really was going to be like difficult and backwards to deal with, they would do a Southern accent. Oh. Right. And she was there like listening to this and going, wait, really? Like it's everywhere. And it's so much easier for us to think that it's in Mississippi. Yes. Because then we don't have to deal with it. And so I think that's part of oh, yeah. like for me, like if I discovered that Bloomington, like if I'd moved away and then I discovered that Bloomington was a sundown town and that. Have you checked to be sure it's not? Let me look. I'll be right it, back. It could be. <laughs> I know. It really honestly could be. I, I mean, could. I feel really like could. in one of our like group activities, they brought out a list of all the Indian ones. I know. I know. Mooresville is there, and and right. I'm. I was thinking about going there later on tonight to go to um. Grace. Grace. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we we go to, to these places. Well, you don't have to be on the books to be a Sundown Town because it can also be something that's not like on the books. That's but right. It's a, it's a law that's yep. passed, and they don't yep. actually put it in legal terms but yeah. everybody knows right so. right but my my point being that 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 it's it's not even like in the towns it's like in us like mm. i've got stuff in me that i forget about that i don't that i have to really i have to look it up i have to pay attention to what's going on constantly it's not gonna be gone i'm not gonna like finish this journey and then be like oh i'm healed of racism like mm-hmm. it's gonna be with me my whole life and so like having to interrogate that and then integrate it both is really hard work and it sort of sucks. And I think yeah, it's more comfortable if we can say it's over there. It's, it's, easier, it's easier for me to live in Pennsylvania and to describe these white populated areas as Mississippi mm-hmm. than it is for me to say, oh, it's white people that are racist in Pennsylvania, just like the white folk who are racist and violent in Mississippi. Somehow or another, naming a part of Pennsylvania Mississippi makes us as Pennsylvanians feel better. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, we're not Mississippi. It allows us to find an exception to the Mississippi rule. But what would it mean if we were to say, oh, it's white people that are violent and racist between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh? Yeah. Yeah. It's a different thing because then it's like, well, how do I duck out of it? Because now I'm actually implicated. Yeah. Yeah. that's In, In people's safety. Yeah. We have a lot of that going on. People here are like we're bloomington we're not indiana yeah that ha- that's oh, happening constantly with the farmer's market they're like yes but this is bloomington, this is bloomington. we're not racist here yeah we are it's like yeah, yeah i'm not saying it <laughs> you, may, you may drive a subaru and, but you're racist <laughs> there are a lot of layers to it though mm-hmm. there are there are so many layers right yeah yeah that's all it was a good that's question. Deep, that's, that's why. That's why I, I wanted so you to come talk layers. about it because like, it was so, a really good so, question. So Do you know it's funny when we decided to adopt our second child. One of our references was a good friend of ours, who was a woman of color, she's a black woman, and she said, "I believe in you, but you would have no idea what may happen. Like you have no idea what's how you're going to change from this experience." 
if you end up adopting a, a like a, a kid of color, black kid. Because we were like, we're just we're just throwing our hat in the ring. We don't care. Like, and we'll we'll, we'll manage. And she was like, I believe in you, and we'll we'll talk as you go through this. <laughs> that you're gonna, this is gonna be a thing. And she was not wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we were kind of like, we got it. We really. And we're gonna start. <laughs> And we're going to start you with hair. That's going to be... No, I'm just... <laughs> well, you know what, though? Like, it's real. It was very real. It's and, and, it, and it's an uncomfortable thing when we think about... So for me, deconstructing and kind of like figuring out why did I want to be a parent? Was it really because I wanted to raise children and it's about their needs? Or was it really about me mm. and what I wanted to be? And like, I don't know if it was the control that I thought I would have or (laughs) the ways I would do all these things differently. And then I look at, you know, I look at the kids that that I have, I look at my friends who adopt and especially when they adopt and they do so uh, cross-culturally and like the, the home, my kids are just my kids. You know what I mean? And then they get out into the world and the world doesn't know that that black child is your child. They see that's a black child. And so they interact with that black child as they would any other black person. But then the proximity to the white parent is what allows that individual interaction to shift. Oh, you are Sally's child. Because I like Sally, I will let you have some of her humanity that I wouldn't let you have if I didn't know that you were hers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you've got parents who are like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Because, you know, when you're white and you've got this entitlement of, of, of feeling like you should be seen and valued and your humanity, you know, goes first. It's like, well, of course it should extend to my child. And then we're like, oh, my gosh, I can't transfer the safety to my kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now what does that mean for me? What kind of parent am I? Your identity is challenged. What kind of person am I? Like, it's, it, it, it's a hamster wheel. And I don't know that we slow down often enough or consistently enough to grieve what that means for us there's a i there i can't protect my child i cannot give to them what i think will keep them safe so now what do i do how do i go create a village that now and then what does it mean if my village of black friends or community if my kid quote unquote aligns more with them because they're black how do i feel about that i'm the mom but they're black so then how do I create relationships so that we're both kind of managing our feelings about it? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot there. Yeah. There is. It re- There is a lot, a lot there. And then you're letting your kids have their own journey. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I'm reminded of when I picked up, she was in second grade and I picked her up at school and she went to a school. There were not many black kids in her class. She was one of the only two or three. And I walked in to get her, and uh, there was this little boy who was a black boy. And he, I came in, and I, he goes, who are you here for? I said, I'm here for Irene. He goes, that black girl! <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, yes, shut up. This is my mom. It's fine. We're good. And it was interesting. We had a really interesting talk about it, mother-daughter, afterwards. So. How old? You said second grade? Second grade, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And he was like, huh. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Second graders yeah. are pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Like, pretty awesome. they don't have to worry about naming the thing in second grade. No, I think a lot of times. Oh, they just name it. They just name it. Yeah, yeah right yeah. where it was. But thank you so much for doing this. It was really great having you. You are welcome on our table. Like it was very present. Yes, in the space. And oh, and we should say that Lashawn is coming in May. We are having our 
third. Can you believe it? It's our third annual relational summit, and it's May 14th through 17th here in Bloomington, Indiana. So save the date. Possibly a sun downtown. It's not. I looked it up. I didn't see Bloomington. Oh, good. Thank God. You may have to drive the review to get here. <laughs> Driving to the airport one time, I remember being like, I don't know where it's safe to stop. No, it's from true. here. Yeah, you, it's mm-hmm. totally true. It's 100% You're true. You're not wrong. You're not yeah, wrong. I know. I know. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I need I the green book. Yeah, you, you, you probably do. It, it's because of my job, where my job takes me, though. I've, I've been in these communities. I have to go into these communities and... There are some times where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm finally at Martinsville. (laughs) Like, I'm like, all right, I can stop here. Like, it's dangerous, but there are also lovely people out there. But it's just that one, you know, it's just that one person, you know, it's that one cousin that that, that somebody has that can find out that this black guy is at, at the convenience store with his yellow Porsche and... I pay attention to flags that are flying. I pay attention to the surroundings to kind of see what I'm driving into. And it's it's that thing about being hypervigilant and trying to figure out, can I scan the area for safety? And sometimes you don't know until you don't know. I mean, I look at the types, the gas station, like, is it where I have to go inside or can I do everything from the pump? Like the little things that you start learning to look for just so you can stay safe. If you kind of sit down and go through, it's like, this is, this is bananas. Why am I doing this? Oh, because I got, I got to get to the airport. That's why. Okay. All right. So just stop closer to the airport, fill it up and get my little receipt and then go. And I would love for, for us to have a, a world where we didn't need that. Um, but I'm glad that we have a place where we are able to discuss it. Yeah. yeah for sure. Well, thank you for discussing it with us. Anytime. Anytime. Happy to be here. This is cool. I thought it was going to be silly, and yet... <laughs> it is! It's like, but you're right here. It's awesome. I yeah. love yes, it. Yes, it's a good time. Okay. Yeah, so you're going to do this with us every week? or every <laughs> Whenever. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Okay, Whenever. I didn't mean to commit her to doing this every week. <laughs> I'm on the side of the table. Bye. Okay. 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 Bye, y'all. This episode of My Racist Friend is a production of the Bloomington Center for Connection, an organization using relational cultural theory to promote social change through connection. This conversation between Dr. LaShawn Williams, Alicia Croft, Don Griffin Jr., and Amy McKeese, LCSW, took place in Bloomington, Indiana on Saturday, February 8, 2020, and was edited for this podcast by Kevin McKeese. Theme music lovingly sampled from Your Racist Friend by They Might Be Giants. On May 14th through the 17th, the BCC will host the third annual Relational Summit here in Bloomington. For more information, follow the Bloomington Center for Connection on Facebook and other social media platforms. You and your can you see me now? No. How can, can you tell? You. There's no picture there. You don't know. This is fun. Why can't, can she see me? Can you see us? <laughs> I can't see anybody okay. but the box in front of me right now. Oh. <laughs>